I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, and we're going to walk through what God has to teach us this morning. Um, you hopefully all know I'm married to Kristen. Um, we've been married for well over 20 years. Um, that means that if you do the logic, then I am a son-in-law. And if you know anything about being a son-in-law, it means sometimes you are asked by your father-in-law to do stuff that you may not always be on board with, but he's like your father-in-law. So you're like, okay. One such day, about a decade and a little bit more than a decade ago, such a thing happened. My father-in-law worked for a ministry called Home Missions. Home Missions was a ministry that sought to plant churches in a lot of different places. Um, That ministry still exists. It exists in a little little bit of a different way. And he has since retired from the leadership of that ministry. He was actually the director for a number of years. But as part of his work, he had to go out and solicit funds. He was a development person as well as being the director of the organization. It was expected that he would build relationships with people for the purpose of having them donate and give to his ministry so that the ministry could grow. And he was going on such a visit and he asked me as his son-in-law to come join him. Oh yay, I'm so excited because uh, I'm not... Asking for money is just not nearly my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Some of you may like it. Maybe you like asking for money. I don't. And the idea of sitting uh, with some people who my father-in-law was asking for money sounded really yuck. But I went because I'm a good son-in-law. So we ended up sitting at this table of a farmer in Wasco, California. That's north of here in the Central Valley. And um, if you've ever seen, um, if you've ever like been a part of these sorts of meetings, I know some of you have, you've had development people sit down with you or make a phone call to you uh, and a fundraising type of meet. Um, you sort of know how that goes, that they um, sit and they talk with you about what's going on, with what they're doing, what their ministry is. They talk with you about some of the successes that they see. They, they maybe bring up a person whose life was impacted deeply or changed by what it was that this ministry was doing and some of that was going on but then this guy who my father-in-law wanted to meet with he said hey I got something to show you and he was asking my my father-in-law to go see it he wasn't asking me so I was going to be left there which um, I'm not sure how I feel about that even to this day I'm like you know you gotta you gotta show my father like what is this some secret stuff that I don't know about or whatever but it happened so they left and we were sitting at the kitchen table so I was left sitting at the kitchen table and it was five or ten minutes, so I got a little bored, and I'm just sort of looking around in the kitchen. Well, what's in the kitchen is the refrigerator, and what do you put on the refrigerator? You put important stuff on the refrigerator, so I'm looking at this man's refrigerator while he and my father-in-law are out of the room, and he had probably about six or seven different papers on there, and these six or seven different papers were personal letters from directors of organizations and ministries, and oftentimes these were people that I had known and heard of, that were all thank you letters. This guy was a person who, my father-in-law was not the only one sitting at his kitchen table asking for money, clearly. This was a guy who regularly had these sorts of visits, and I'm sure he'd heard the whole spiel 150 times. 
And I'm just thinking to myself, this guy is something else. Because on one, they had a number. And that was not a small number that he had given to this organization. And they were personally signed by the directors. And guess what? Not all directors personally sign those letters unless they're the big number gifts. So then finally, my father-in-law and this man come back in the room, and they're sitting there, and my father-in-law, and I, I, it's, I knew enough about what my father-in-law was doing that I could sort of see the trajectory of the meeting and know where he was going, and he was going to land on this thing, and he was saying, it costs X amount of dollars. I think it was $100,000 in order to start that program, and we are well on the way. We have five people who've donated almost, it's a total of $50,000, and we could really use your help in order to meet that goal. And it was hilarious to me what happened next. Because this man sat there with this grin on his face that was just, it was like, it was like, I don't know. Like, like he caught something and nobody knew about it. He had something that nobody knew about and he was just waiting to show it. And he said to my father-in-law, the $50,000, oh, $50,000, huh. You mean the $50,000 like in the check that I already sent to your organization yesterday in the mail? All of a sudden, I was like, this guy, this guy's got a different heart. There is something about this guy. You know, he, he had a lot to give. I mean, literally, we were talking, I was talking to a millionaire. No question. He could do some pretty amazing things with that money. But what I saw in his heart was that he couldn't give enough. And over and over in the conversation, when he talked about what God had done in his life, it was all about a level of gratitude that when he had all this, the best that he could do was to give it back to the kingdom, to see the kingdom. That day taught me a lot about giving, not a lot about development, and I didn't learn a lot from my father-in-law that day. I learned a lot from this man, because he had the right heart. And this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, truly is one of those heart passages. God wants us to hear the heart of giving, not the legalistic, not the make sure you get the numbers right sort of stuff. He wants to make sure that you and I get the heart right. Let's dig into God's word and see what he has to share with us this morning. Verse 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now, this passage begins with this powerful agricultural metaphor. 
And if you think about a farmer, um, and if you want to sort of think in, not like in uh, uh, the sort of the mechanized farming like we have today, where you got a bigger tractor with a, a bigger seeder behind it so you can have more, but a person who has like a bag of seed here and is walking around a field throwing out that seed, and they have a choice when they sow the seed. You can either reach in and get a heaping handful, or you can reach in and get just a little bit. And if you get just a little bit and you sow that in your field, when you come back however many months later as that crop needs to grow, you're going to see the results of how tightly or how loosely you let your hand in the bag. You're either going to see a lot of the plant that you're trying to grow or you're going to see a little of it. And what this passage is reminding us of is how we reach into the bag with a heaping handful. And if you want to sow generously in God's kingdom, then there will be more growth because of that. It's a powerful image, a powerful metaphor for us to see how God wants us to begin this idea of giving, is is be generous with it, but then he moves to the heart. And he calls us to this joyful generosity because it pleases God. Now, what's interesting about that is thinking about how you've been taught to give and how you express your giving even on a Sunday morning. And my guess, there's a couple different things that you can live into when you think about giving. There's some who it's a rote practice, right? You get a paycheck, that paycheck has a certain number on it that you have been paid. You simply move the decimal over and you write a a new check for that amount with the decimal with one-tenth of it and that being your thing that you give to the church because you have been taught to tithe. Tithe is one-tenth. And you do that out of, uh, out of, you know, a sense of, of duty and probably is the best word to use there. And that's certainly not a bad thing because God has called us to obedience and the Old Testament teaching constantly about giving was about the tithe, the tenth. And so we're living into obedience for that. But where is your heart in that moment? Is your heart in a place of joy? Is your heart in a sense saying, God, look at this number that you've given me on this one check. That is so much. Or maybe you're thinking, Lord, um, you have given me this. Maybe, it's, maybe you're even thinking it's not enough. But how, where is your heart in that moment? Some, some will give out of guilt. You know, it's, it's sort of one of those things where, um, I don't know about you, those, uh, S, is it what the SPCA um, commercials with the dogs on them? You ever seen those on television? They've got Sarah McLaughlin playing a song in the background that is like the most schmaltzy, heart-rending song in the world with pictures of dogs and cats that have been abused. Like, seriously, I'll write you a check for $100 to never see that commercial again. Because it just kills my heart. It's a guilt, right? It's this guilt thing. And I know certainly that's a, that there are, are things that need to be protected with animals. And there certainly we want to stop animal abuse. But that whole movement of giving is a giving of guilt. And that's not living into the passage. Or it's, or it's compulsion. If I sit up here, or if I stand up here and tell you enough, you have to give. You have to give. You have to give. Eventually, you're going to say, all right already. Leave me alone. Here's your check. I'm done. I've compelled you to give. And this passage is speaking to the heart. 
You've been given Jesus. You and I have been given love and grace. We celebrated it this morning. God has given us everything, right? Without this, we've got nothing. And when someone has given you everything, what can you give back to them that would be enough? That's where the joy, the gratitude. I know without Jesus Christ, my life is a mess. It's already hard enough already with him. I can't imagine what it would be like without him. And if that's the case, then I can do nothing but be thankful and in gratitude give back to the kingdom that he calls me to give. And not only do we hear these things, but we also are encouraged to think about how God has given to us. He has given to us in joy. How many of you have been really messed up at one point in your life? I mean, really messed up. By the way, all of your hands should be up. Some of you are messed up right now. I know, I've talked to you. But here's what's interesting, right? It's even while you are really messed up, even while you are the abuser, even while you are the addict, even while you are the fool, even while you are the atheist, the rejecter of God, even while you are living into all the worldly stuff that you could possibly live into, God looked at you and says, I love them. I love them. And he's mine. Looks at her and says, I love you. Even though you're a mess, you're mine. And that's how Christ, that's how God loves. And then he wants us to live into that. Because here's something else that happens in our giving, right? We say, we're going to give to what? Worthy organizations. Which is appropriate, it's good. I want you to be wise in what you give and who you give to. We want to, be, want, want to give to people who, where change is going to happen, right? And if there's some organization that maybe doesn't have the success story that we want or the success story that we think it should have, then we won't give to them. But God says be a cheerful giver and be abundant in your, in your sowing. Don't worry about these things so much as you worry about your heart. Your heart of generosity that says, you have a need, I see a need, I can serve you. Even if that idea of success, maybe it's not going to turn out the way that you think it should. But God might be able to use that over his time to do something different than what you expect. See, oftentimes we, we sort of put a almost an asterisk on our giving, and say, well, I get to choose where the kingdom of God is going to grow. And God is saying to us, no, be generous. Give. Don't be afraid. If I call you to give to something, if I open up the door for you to give, you so generously, I'll take care of the rest. It's interesting. Um, I had a meeting uh, about two or three weeks ago with uh, a board member from Redlands Unified School District and the new principal over at Lagonia. Has anyone ever, has anyone met the new principal over at Lagonia? 
top-notch lady, by the way. God has blessed that community with a really great new principal. And she was there, and because we have ministry there, one of the things that I'm always very, I'm trying to be very intentional about is I want to meet with not just the principal, but Redlands Unified School District to make sure that we're on the right track. I don't want us to do something that foolish that all of a sudden ends up on the headlines of the local paper, or all of a sudden we have a TV report because something happened that wasn't good because of our work over in Lagonia. So I just check in every once in a while, about once a year, to make sure everything's on track. And, and the board member that I used to meet with, who is a really good friend of mine, has since left the board, so I had to find a new board member, got a recommendation, met with this guy who is a new board member, and this, this woman who's a, the new principal at Lagonia School. And we're sitting there having a conversation. We're talking about this whole thing and what's happening and book bridges and, and um, revive PE and we're talking about the library stuff. And, and at one point, the, the board member goes, he just sort of looked at me in a weird way. And he said, I'm, I'm just curious. He said, can you just can you just give me an idea? Because I know you folks have a really strong relationship with Redlands Christian School. You already have kids that you can bless and you can encourage and that you, that you can love. And I know a lot of your, your parents send kids to Redlands Christian School. Why in the world are you on Lagonia's campus? And I didn't really know what to say. I mean, there's a lot of things that I could said. But I... I came really down to three words for me that I shared with him, and I say that's really the focus of this ministry. It's that we love Lagonia. We, we love Lagonia. We love the campus. We love the kids. We love the staff. We love the, the administration. We love the community. We love that place. And if you've ever been on Lagonia's campus, you know what I'm talking about because there's some of you, you have pictures in your head of kids on that campus that you love when you go there every time you see them and serve them. And I'm just, I just wanted him to hear, we love Lagonia. And if we love Lagonia, then we can't give enough. We can't give enough because it's out of the generosity and it's out of the hearts that God has given us. This is a place where light, we can bring more light. There's light already there, but we can be a part of bringing more light. There's already a lot of good things happening. We can be a part of having more good things happen. We just love Lagonia enough that we can be involved there. That's the heart that God longs for us to have. And I am so grateful, and I take no responsibility whatsoever for it. I think Debbie and Nick and Ginger Mulder and a whole lot of other folks who've been involved in the ministry of Lagonia are responsible for that. But the fact that that DNA of loving something enough to give to it and give because God has given us everything, that's the heart of generosity that the word is calling us to. Let's continue to discover that. Verse 10. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, there is something that when you read that particular series of verses, there are some people who will read that and say, well, God wants to give me more, so I'm just going to pray for more, right? When we hear about um, health and wealth theology, um, when we think about, oh, you know, if, if I just prayed for more, God would give me more. And, and there's a part of us that wants to say, okay, all right, I'll do that. God, give me more. 
But that's not the whole intention of the passage. The whole intention of the passage is that God would give us more so that we would be more generous with it. God will give so that our joyful generosity will increase. In fact, we see in that passage, it sounds like a promise, doesn't it? He wants to do that in us because he knows the transformation that comes from a generous heart. Because if you have a generous heart with your finances, maybe your heart's a little bit more generous with, I don't know, forgiveness? If you have a generous heart with your finances, maybe you have a generous heart with welcoming people into your life. That maybe when this thing that's money, that's so important in so many of our lives, when we can deal with that in a way where we're hanging on loosely and our heart is open and we're saying, God, you've given me so much, I can give so much to those around me, that that replicates itself in other parts of our lives where we're much more hesitant because there, there's this idea that forgiveness is something that's supposed to abound in our lives. And yet, we're so hesitant with it sometimes because they've hurt us so much. Maybe generosity with our finances helps move us towards that. And God's willing to give us more financially so we can be more generous. So we can learn more lessons about how to be generous with every part of our life. What does it say here? It says, he will enrich you in every way. It's not just about finances here. This is about a depth of understanding of God's love and God's grace and God's movement in our hearts that as we can deal effectively, as we can grow, as we can allow God to transform our idea of money, that as we become more generous and joyful in our generosity, that God can then do work and God will bless us in other ways, in other parts of our lives where we're longing to grow and be changed. It's a powerful challenge then that maybe your generosity or lack thereof is hindering you from being able to grow in other places. Is that possible? I believe as we hear this, it certainly is. Let's close this passage beginning at, again at verse 12. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts. So, I want you to just think about this. What's the name of the, um, the woman that you worked with in New Jersey? Judy. Julie. Julie in New Jersey. All right. Julie in New Jersey has been blessed by DRS. I hope some of you put some money into the, the bag this morning for DRS. Julie has this new house, and my guess she has some gratitude for what DRS has done. Correct? All right. And so she's giving God praise for people who support DRS. That includes you. So Julie is giving praise for you. And she could, might even be saying, praise you, Lord, 
I praise you, Lord, for giving these people generous hearts that they would give unto you so that I can be blessed. It's funny because Julie might not even be praying what is true. You might not have given out of generosity. You might have given out of compulsion or guilt. And yet Julie is already attributing to you a beautiful attribute of God that God is building in you but hasn't yet done. When we give and God thanks giving, people give thanksgiving to God for what it is that we've done or what it is that they've been given. Sometimes as they praise God, they are praising God not for what he has done in you, but what he is doing and will do in you. They are praising God for traits that you don't already have. You understand that? Probably not. It's a little challenging. But when you give, even if you give for the wrong reasons, God gets praised for who you are. That's powerful. It means that even if I don't always get it right, and I don't get it right, even if my, 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 my money is not a lot or what it should be or I can give more, even what I do give, God gets praised for in ways that I'm not even there yet, but God's working on me. And the more generous I become, the more joyful that I become in that generosity, the more God gets glorified. How great is it that there is then praise offered to God for me becoming more than I already am. That's part of us being generous. That's the movement of God in generosity in our lives. As we take one step, the praise that he gets is even greater than that. And it moves us even further. God works more in us. It's this beautiful image of God sort of almost lovingly moving us in ways that we don't even, aren't even aware yet. But he's lovingly moving us towards where we can give him the most glory. And the whole time he's already receiving a lot of it. It's the beautiful part of who God is. And all of this. Especially when we give. And I think, I think of this morning of our benevolent fund. I think of our deacons as they give of, an, of our benevolent fund. And I know there are people in this community right now, right here in this place, in this room, who've received funds from that. And you've been blessed by it. You've been encouraged by those monies. And many of you have said thank you to us as a church for caring for you and loving you by giving giving you some support and giving you some encouragement through paying utilities or putting you up in a hotel room. But what's interesting about that too is that it actually draws us closer to relationship with you. I think of guys like Mike Portinga and Nate Huker who are deacons who have worked a lot with the Benevolent Fund. Debbie Bierman is another one. There are others in this church who have done that. They have built relationship with people that they've helped. And some of those relationships are hard. But some of them have also been beautiful. It's drawn the body tighter together. Because there are some in this community who have need. And some in this community who can meet that need. I don't know if those two things come together. That almost sounds biblical, doesn't it? Sounds biblical, doesn't it? 
And when we live more deeply into that, the, the church just expands and there's, there's, this, there's this thing that happens that all of a sudden we're different than we were before because, because we've grown in this deeper relationship. There was, this, there was this woman that I worked with in youth ministry for a long time. Her name was Susie. And um, she was a volunteer uh, in youth ministry when I was on staff at the church. She was a little bit older than I. She had kids older than my kids. She was married. Um, she, she was a, um, just one of those people. She worked in a, some technology office, but that was not her passion at all. Her passion was people, and she just loved high school kids, and so she was always working with the youth group that I was leading at the time, and loving on high school kids, loving on high school kids. I didn't really know her story, because she didn't really fit the community that we were sort of, that we were living in and working in at the time. She didn't really fit there. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it just, you can tell there was something different about Susie. And at one point, I think it was Kristen, because Kristen knew the story, or somebody else, told me the story of Susie, where this was a girl who just simply lived down the street from the church, like four or five doors down. And somebody from the church sometime, whether it was going out and canvassing for VBS or something, handing out at Christmas or Easter or something, was at her house and invited her to something at the church when she was like 10 years old. And Susie came when she was invited to this thing at 10 years old. And the interesting thing was, she never left. Her mom and dad didn't come to church. Her family didn't come to church, but Susie did. And Susie kept coming. And the church kept loving her. And there were needs that were going on. Her family wasn't, wasn't always perfect. It wasn't ideal. Um, the church spoke in love and gave in to those needs. And Susie kept on coming. And Susie got older, and she got older, and she was um, in college and graduated and all that other sort of stuff and got a job. She kept coming, kept coming. She lived actually fairly far out from the church, but she drove into this church because this church had given into her life in so many deep ways. What's interesting is I'm still Facebook friends with Susie. I don't think I've seen Susie in, oh, it's got to be 20 years, something like that. But I'm still Facebook friends with her. And you know what she is now? It's really interesting. She, she actually, for a job, she no longer works in technology. She's a chaplain for a police department. This is a woman who now, because somebody came when there was need into her life and gave into that need and loved her when things were tough and was with her when things were hard, now wants to go into the places where people are going through that every single day. And she simply wants to love in that spot. That's what giving generously does. It changes the world of those who receive, and it changes the world of those who give. On the front end, we got this guy in Wasco giving $50,000 to an organization with a grin on his face and a joy in the giving. And on the other end, we got this young woman who had so little, receiving it over and over and over again from a community that loved Jesus and wanted to love her. And now she can't do anything but give of her life back because she has been given so much. That's what generosity does. 
And for us to understand that God is calling us then to give generously, to see his kingdom grow. Wherever you are in that, to allow our hearts to be transformed. For us to not just move a decimal point, but move a decimal point with a giggle on our face and a joy in our heart. For us to add to that number because we can give more. For us to sow that seed with an open hand because we want to see the kingdom grow. For us to not be stingy with the love that God has given us because he was not stingy with us. For us, for us to then experience that and give unto the kingdom of God to see it grow. That just sounds like good work to me. Let's pray to that end. Father, you are so very good. You have given us so much. You have been so generous with your grace, your love, your transformation in our hearts and our lives. You have made all things new in us. We have everything because of what you have done. Lord, may now we give back unto you. Give certainly of our time, our energy, our talents. Certainly for us to think about how our workplaces are places where we can we can serve you with the the things that we do but also lord we think about our wallets our purses our checkbooks our bank accounts lord may we reach into our bag with a big hand and as we sow lord may we hold our hand loose so that we might generously and joyfully give more unto your kingdom, more unto those, Lord, who you call us to give to, so that as we do, Lord, your kingdom grows and hearts are changed and our heart is one of those that are changed. Lord, may that happen because when that happens, you receive more glory. Oh, Lord, we think about our lives. Our lives are here to give you more glory. May this be a place where that happens. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.